Hello, dear listener, it's Daniel. Now, before we get to this episode, just want to remind you, me and Core just launched a Patreon. For $7 a month, you can get exclusive content. Now, how do you sign up for said exclusive content? Well, we made it easy. There's a link down in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash litdpod. We'll see you soon. Now, let's get to today's episode. Welcome to Light in the Darkness. Off 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 topic episodes are just a mini series within the Greater Light in the Darkness podcast that are unscheduled and unscripted. It's just Daniel and I just sitting around talking about what's on our hearts. The only difference is this time we have microphones and we're inviting you in for a listen. So consider yourself invited to the uh, digital campfire, if you will. The coffee's brewed. The microphones are turned on, and as always, the chairs, for now, are semi-comfortable. So, Danny boy. Hey, hey. Sitting down, we kind of had an idea what we would talk about. That we did. And we might still record that one. We'll see where the Lord leads, but we sat down and just had a brief moment of worship, and... uh really seemed to hit a vein there on the subject of surrender. Didn't really know if that was just for us or if that was something that he wanted us to talk about. So we're pressing record and just seeing where the Lord might take this little conversation we're about to have right here. So we started by talking about this with the idea that surrender is both the hardest and the easiest thing to do and you came up with a great analogy about that just share that with the listeners oh sure just in my mind the easiest way to paint a picture of that would be a mountain because the moment up until that decision i feel like you're trudging up the slope up the steep grade but the minute you hit the pinnacle which i think represents your decision to surrender your will or whatever it is the lord has in that moment it's like the other side is to a degree effortless Because you're going downhill at that moment. And while it was the hardest thing ever to come up to that point to decide it, on the other side, you're like, whoa, refreshing. But I think the other part of that, and maybe the human part of it is the unknown. What's on the other side of this mountain? You know, it's the unknown. And I think that plays into being the hard part of surrender is you give up control. Let's be honest. We, We love that. We love that in every part of our lives. And so, in that moment, before you go over that peak, you know, you assume what's there, but until you see it and taste it and walk in it and feel it, your mind probably racing, flesh writhing. (laughs) But yeah, ultimately your choice. The thought that came to my mind when you shared that was God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And when we know that there's something the Lord is asking us to surrender. Now, we all have areas of our lives that we're probably walking in ignorance about that we don't know that we're holding on to, and we don't know that He's asking us to surrender, or He hasn't asked yet because He knows whatever, whatever. Each of our relationships with God is unique and different. But when we're walking in an area of our life that we know He wants us to surrender and we refuse to do that, 
is that pride creeping in? I understand that it can be fear of the other side, but isn't there an element of pride there where I know better? Oh, yeah. I think that plays into control. I think it's that I'm good. I got this, you know, and then be it pride, be it fear. In some cases, I'm sure shame could go there. Stronghold, stronghold of the enemy, especially right there in that moment where you go, I'm I'm good. I know best. And, you know, the list of what that could be. Well, gosh, floor to ceiling. But then the other side, the easy side is when you get down the mountain, because that's where the grace kicks in, because you've been humble enough to surrender this area of your life over to the Lord and the grace kicks in. Yeah, that's just always been something that stuck in my head. Surrender is the hardest and the easiest thing to do all at the same time. Oh, yeah. Because once you get in there, he can. it opens up room for him to bring healing, surrendering hurts, surrendering unforgiveness, surrendering what, whatever it is. He will never ask you to give him something and to surrender something in your life that he doesn't have a desire to bring health and life and vitality and grace. I mean, you know, it's funny. We could even say we've seen that here. A couple things come to mind right off the bat, David, episode 11, I believe it was, with his I'll never, you know, and then the surrendering of that. And look what's come of it from preaching testimony he thought he would never give. Forgiveness for many people, you know, the Lord revealing that and us getting to talk through that with them. It's one thing to talk about it, to see it and get to experience that with someone else who's doing it, not just on your own. I don't know. It's pretty awesome. It's almost like a, go ahead, Jesus. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we all have, if you've walked with the Lord for any amount of time, he's asked you to surrender something. Just accepting him as your Lord and Savior is surrendering control of your life. And if you're a Christian, quote unquote, that hasn't done that yet, are you really? Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. Right on the nose here. Yeah. I was leading worship for the middle school praise team at the church I was attending. I was on the high school praise team. And I just remember I was like a chimney that summer. I figured out I liked smoking and I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. Now, I was not one of these chumps that is into, you know, cigarillos. It, it doesn't matter what I was into. Judgment. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If you've got a great flavored cigar, you're dang right. That's what that was. But I break that judgment in Jesus' name. But I just remember getting that conviction and the Lord going, so I give you a voice. And then I ask you to use it for me. And you want to destroy it with cigarettes? I just remember that hitting me in my spirit one Sunday and I'm like, whoa. And I was like, what do I do with this, Lord? And it got me stressed out. So, I went out to my car and grabbed a Dijon Black and, you know. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I honestly, I went to the altar and, and, and he and I literally just had it out down there. And this had nothing to do with what the altar call was about. And I know people are like, whoa, he is just, look at him. He's bawling and snotting. And, you know, I love the church I was at. I was down there five seconds and my back is just covered with hands of people down there praying with me, going through it. And I remember I went out to my car and I looked at the boxes of cigarettes and I was just like, I don't need you. You know, I enjoy it. 
And so, I went to those above me in leadership. Like, I got so convicted. I was like, you know what? I am just going to be so transparent because the Lord is putting this on my heart. And so, I went to the middle school pastor at the time, big brother, father figure to me. So, to tell him this, I was so just like, oh my gosh. But I just told him. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. He's like, dude. I'm like, hey, I'm just being honest. He's like, I know. And I'm not judging you because I've been there too. He's like, but I'm just, I had no idea. I was like, yeah, I know. I covered it up well. Thank you. But but he showed me so much grace and he was firm at the same time. And he was like, you know, I'm going to talk to the person over me. Or actually, no, he asked me to. So, I go to the youth pastor who's over him and that was even scarier. I was like, hey, uh, this is what I'm doing. You know, can I go just throw him in the dumpster and like, we're, we're good kind of thing. And he's like, yeah, throw him in the dumpster behind the church. Take it up with Derek after that and see what he wants to do. He's over that. He's like, but I'm, you know, I'm glad you're done with this. And so I essentially went on probation and I don't even remember the terms of that. And he was just like, you know, a lot of people would really be disappointed if they heard this. It was almost me understanding, like trying to live a, a holy lifestyle, trying to have some sort of principles in that area. And yeah, smoking's not a thing for me anymore. Were you even old enough to smoke at the time? I think in South Carolina I was. But typically I was with a bro at the time who would just buy him and just hand him cash and he was smoking the same thing and it was a stupid phase. It was a stupid phase and the moment he like put that before me, he was like, oh my gosh, of course, father. What am I, what am I doing? It's the story of me and cigarettes. It was short. I love the image of you going down to that altar call and not even knowing what it was for. What if it was like some super specific, like word of knowledge? Like I'm sensing someone has an issue in their left kidney and that's why everybody swarmed. I'm not Daniel, not his kidney. We ain't letting that young man go on dialysis. Dude, let me tell you something. The people at Fort Mill Church of God, they're good people. And they came down there and they laid hands and they prayed and, you know, they're like, can we pray with you about anything? And I was just honest. I'm like, yeah, I'm putting down cigarettes. I'm done with it. I'm done. And and I don't ever once remember judgment. I just remember good and hugs and tears and church family is so darn important. Man, so important. And and that could have been anything for the record. Yeah. It happened to be cigarettes for me, but I just love the fact of whatever it was, it was like, good, lay it down. And the blood of Jesus is enough to wash it away. Can you identify anything in your life that that, like, a domino effect or anything like that, that you wouldn't have thought that correlated to. But in hindsight, in retrospect, with the help of the Holy Spirit, can you see anything in your life that once you made that choice to surrender that it actually opened the door for him to do something else that was like unrelated or or was directly related? As weird as it sounds, it was like a trust was developed with me in leadership that I think was already there, you know, because Derek was like my bro. There, there was just this directness. It's like I was then held to a higher standard. It's like growth happened, I guess is how I would say that I didn't see coming and then more was put on me and responsibility came with it that I didn't anticipate in a good way. Um, yeah, I would just say it, it led to a, a bigger mantle. If you will, it's almost like get this out of the way because there's more I want to do with you is how I would describe it. And so, mm. once I got that junk out of the way, then here came the blessings of this is my heart's desire to, to lead more, to have a bigger team, to do more things around the church. I mean, next thing you know, I've got a key to just about every building on my key ring and I can barely legally drive, you know, but I can go in that multi-million dollar building and that one and that one. And whether that was a good choice or not, they trusted me. And I never, you know, gave them a reason not to after that. And so, it's almost like the Lord was showing me the importance of things get in the way. 
and I guess you could even call it a vice. I mean, I would say that's an appropriate term for it. Wasted time, wasted money, mm. not good for my health. I mean, we've all seen the smoking commercials. I don't have to quote them. <laughs> you know, I went through dare. <laughs> oh my gosh. What about you? What's something that the Lord asked you to lay down? So for me, the first thing that came into mind was actually a really toxic relationship I was in. Um, before I met my wife, Megan, I on and off dated this girl for about a year. I mean, on and off again, like we broke up five, six times be apart for a couple weeks, a month, and then get back together. And it was just really, it was very obvious to everybody else that this was wrong and this was not the will of God for my life. What did you think at the moment? What I had to surrender was wanting it to do it my way and on my timetable. Okay. Because in my mind, I was going to be the one that was going to fix her. Or what have you, fill in the blank. I mean, I've worked through all this. And this, and at this point, you know, coming to the realization I couldn't be her Jesus, especially yeah. when I was not living like Jesus with her, you know, kind of deal. Um, yeah, I had to surrender over my timetable and what I thought getting married was. I honestly had to surrender not my desire to get married, but my need for a relationship, my need for being with someone, which is really interesting because before her, I hadn't dated anyone for like four or five years. You know, I had, I had had a, a girlfriend in high school. And after that, I went on a few dates here and there until I was about 23, 24. And then this relationship happened. And if, if the relationship had not ended, I can tell you right now, my life would have been shipwrecked. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't want to speak anything negative over this young lady. The Lord actually just a couple of weeks ago gave me a word for her that I had to send her. I had to be like, I had to talk with my wife and be like, Hey, like, I feel like the Lord is laying her on my heart and I need to like send her a word. And I've had her blocked on Facebook for like five, six, seven years. It wasn't like a four letter word, right? The word. No. <laughs> okay. Swing and a miss. No. Yeah. Oh, um, gosh. That's funny. Yeah. I had her blocked for five years and then you unblock her to send her a word from the Holy Spirit. Hey, we haven't talked in a while. Exactly. That's exactly how it went. And then she tried to carry the conversation on further past that point. So I just blocked her again because I'm like, this is not an invitation for us to have any kind of connection in life again. The Lord laid you on my heart. I am being faithful to give this word to you. And then, yeah, I had to surrender wanting to have a relationship and a wife and wanting to have all those things on my own timetable. And like, I remember the point I was, uh, I, I had been going to like, we had some, they aren't counselors, but they're just, old, old, you know, saints that do counseling, lay counselors. And I was like, going to them about something completely different. And they're like, by the way, while you're in here, what is going on with this? Because it's very obvious that you're mad at God and you're just like mad that he won't do this for you. And you're like lashing out at him by continuing this relationship when it's been proven time and time again that this person is not healthy for you. And that was like it. And it was like, oh, yeah. And, and 
more than that as far as interventions with this relationship because there was a real there was a real soul tie there and there was a real connection that was hard to break um but yeah having to surrender that and surrender that relationship and six months later i met megan and that relationship has been everything that that toxic relationship was everything that was hard about it everything that was draining about it, everything, complete 180 with Megan, where it's been life-giving and it's been nurturing and it's been loving and it's been, you know, we're attentive to one another's needs and it's not a one-way street, it's a two-way street. And had I continued down that road with that girl, who knows what could have happened? Yeah. I could have ended up with an 18-year commitment to have her in my life. Instead of being able to just cut it off and move on. So, yeah. I think I could approach that from the exact opposite side. I was of the mindset of, I am not getting married. <laughs> like, that is for chumps. I won't go into detail. I was a punk. But my whole thing was just, no, that's not for me. I've, I've seen what divorce does to people. I've seen how miserable married people are. Like, no. Well... Once I decided to get that ideology out of the way, which was just pure Danielism, Danielology, if you will, real marriage, the God way, you know, the covenant, the two-way street, I was created to be married. I am not a loner. I can tell you that much. And meeting that person he created for you, like you you know. And I remember the moment that he revealed that to me and I almost scared my wife away going, you're really awesome and you, you know what the Holy Spirit is and you talk in tongues. You do. This could go somewhere. And I just remember being like, why don't we just take our time and see where this goes? I'm like, yeah, that's what I meant. And we joke about it now because she was like, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is like already talking marriage. It's funny how that happens, right? When you're in his will, when, when you're doing things the way he intended, how beautiful it comes together, how effortless it is. It's almost like walking down a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, looking back at my life... That relationship, as hurtful as it was, and as many things I had as I had to learn to get healthy again after that, I don't think I would trade where my life is now to go back and not do that relationship. Like, there was some hard stuff that resulted from it that I had to deal with, but I also learned a lot about who I am and who God is. And what actual grace is and what actual like repentance is. And yes, his mercies are renewed every morning, but there's a degree to which we don't want to take advantage of that or throw caution to the wind and just live in reckless abandon and live willfully sinful lives. Although he'll wash that away in an instant, of course, once you actually repent. But repentance, surrender, repentance, 180 degree turn and actually purposefully deciding to walk the other direction. And I think that's another area that in the American church in 2023, I feel like we've gone so far to be so inclusive that we've let standards of holiness go, and we've stopped trying to teach people to live holy lifestyles because we've gotten 
so far into his grace will cover, his grace will cover, his grace will cover. It will, but he's also calling us to go further. And he gives us that grace, and we should be thankful enough for his grace to cover our mistakes that we're willing to actually put in some effort. What's sacred anymore? Like you were saying, this trying to live a holy lifestyle, it's joked about on TV and movies. I mean, and, you know, modest is not hottest these days, let's be honest. It's quite the opposite. The thought of people waiting till marriage is mocked. The thought of marriage being between a man and a woman only is mocked. The thought of not keeping your baby, the thought of just terminating a pregnancy is they're really pushing for that to be the standard. Everything I just said was a hot button topic. I think they all contradict this holiness lifestyle, this having something sacred, this core of principles. And when you ultimately boil it down, the word of God dictates our life. And I never want us in any way to be shaming people or condemning people because that's not our role. Our role is to live the lifestyle that the Lord has led us to live. And if we say something that the Holy Spirit convicts you about, that's between you and him, bro. But as for me and my house, we're going to follow the Lord and we don't do this perfectly. We don't do this blamelessly, but I'm endeavoring to be more willing that when he brings something up, like, hey, surrender that to me. For instance, TikTok. You you and I had always been in a disagreement about that. I was like, a little bit of TikTok doesn't hurt you. And you were basically like, demons. <laughs> yeah, that's literally, honestly, how the conversation went, folks. And it just came to the place where the Lord was like, not about the content on there, although plenty could be said about that about the way it was hard for me to focus on him and it was hard for me to actually settle my thoughts to be able to focus on prayer and on being able to enjoy him, enjoy time with my wife, enjoy life, (laughs) real life. It was stealing your time. Not just that, but it was rewiring my brain. Mm. It's such short attention span. It's a video that you can just scroll to the next one. If it's if it's something isn't pleasing to you, you immediately just skip it and go to the next one. And it's wiring you to have such a short attention span. And like a microwave style gratification system like, ooh, that's good. Next one. Ooh, that's good. Next one. No, thanks. No, thanks. Next one. Hit of dopamine. Yeah. Scroll. Hit of dopamine. Absolutely. Scroll. And they know this. They know this. That's why they develop the endless pool with scrolling because Facebook's the same. Yeah. Twitter's the same. What well, is I say that? that like I know. <laughs> I'm anti-social media, but still, I've heard. There's a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. And it's all about the tactics that they use, the social media tech industry uses to keep you addicted to their products and keep scrolling because every user's money. Every ad you see is money. So anyway, this is getting onto a whole diatribe about all that stuff. I'm still on Facebook, although I limit all that. But that's something the Lord asked me to surrender to him. So I've surrendered TikToks to him. If you're my family or loved ones that used to send me TikToks so that we could laugh at them together, just know I won't be checking them anymore. Um, And 
I won't be sending you any hot TikToks either because I'm off. So my stories, your stories, the dialogue in between, what I've kind of gathered from all this, surrender is basically, what is your will, Father? What are the plans you have for me? I'm willing to put mine down, willing to set that aside and follow what you have called me essentially to be, whether that's a pastor, whether that's a Sunday school teacher, whether that's a really good dad to your family or an awesome brother or just like the nicest greeter at Walmart ever who goes out of their way to light up people's lives with a smile. And I mean that sincerely, like whatever it is you have for me, that's what I want. And what I've found time and time again, without fail, is whatever he has for me is so much sweeter and so much better than anything I have ever tried to set up for myself. Because everything I've done, everything I've tried or said, hey, that's for me, that has been a fail. And even though he has made good on it, believe me, and he has, yeah, and same for you. And he has grown us from it and shaped us from it. And it's just what he has is so much better. And the older I get, I find I'm so much quicker to be like, oh, forget that thing, Lord. I lay that down. That If that's my Isaac, I lay it down. And if you don't stop me, I'm going to stab it. I want what you have. And, you know, wh- whether I'm referencing this podcast or, gosh, my marriage, everything he's had for me has been beautiful and sweet. And it literally pushes me to go, what next, Father? What next? How could this possibly get better? But it does. And, and it starts with surrender. Surrender.